It's the Security Weekly News, episode 175. Wow. Welcome to the week of 19 December 2021. This is my last show for 2021, uh, and, and I guess we maybe can call this plague year over. We may get more plague years to come, but we've got this plague year over with. The inestimable Aaron Leyland is doing the last show since I have a flight that day. Uh, they moved. Uh, they, we had to move it up to Thursday because, you know, Friday and all that. Yeah. Uh, today, Conti Law, which has sounds like something else, but it's C-O-N-T-I. Uh, log for J2, Log for Shell, Redux, the return of the Joker, your car's warranty is expired, have I been pwned, Zoho, Microsoft, and Jason Wood on this edition of the Security Weekly News. This is Security Weekly. For security professionals, by security professionals. We interrupt our program to bring you It's the show that keeps you up to date on the latest security news twice a week. Your trusted source for accurate security information and expert analysis. It's time for Security Weekly News. Every 11 seconds, there's a new ransomware attack. Oil pipelines, universities, corporations, all paying millions of dollars. Barracuda says... Don't pay the ransom. Before a ransomware attack occurs, train your teams to recognize an attack and use anti-phishing technology. Protect your applications and they can't get onto your network. Simple backup and restore solutions quickly recover your data without paying the ransom. Build your ransomware protection plan now by visiting securityweekly.com forward slash barracuda. That's securityweekly.com forward slash barracuda. All right, we are here for my last show of this year. Uh, first up, Conti ransomware uh, have have apparently fully weaponized Log for Shell, uh, and they have a full attack chain that involves a well-known vulnerability, Log for J. We we've we've talked about Log for J a lot now. Uh, everybody's talked about it a lot, uh, and they they have been exploiting this thing uh, uh, for a while, but now they apparently have a full attack chain that is associated with Log4j. Now, if you don't remember, Log4j is a popular tool that uh, is used to create server logs for web servers. It, it's a library, and some serious zero-day flaws popped up recently, and it is now being called po possibly the most, or at least in the top three, most damaging and serious flaws this year. Uh, the initial flaw that we had uh, was publicly disclosed on the 10th of December, and almost immediately thereafter, there were all sorts of reports about it being exploited in the wild. There were hundreds of thousands of scan attempts, you know, and, and just on and on and on. So this thing is very, very damaging. Apache released a patch for this on the 11th of December, which is which is now called Log4j2. And so this and that this one had a vulnerability in it that allowed denial of service attacks. That bug was also patched, but last week yet another bug was found in Log4j and another patch was issued on Friday. So it's been a pretty bad, you know, couple of weeks for Log4j users. Uh, Ad ADV Intel, I don't know how you pronounce it, but ADV Intel published an article last week that said the Conti Group, uh, with, a, with an O, not a U, uh, were talking about uh, how to exploit Log4Shell, which is the name of the vulnerability, or the, uh, I don't know, there's a whole bunch of names for it, Logjammin, Logjammer, Log4Shell, Logu, I, I don't know what they all are, but there's a whole bunch of them. Anyway, uh, Log4Shell is the most common name of this vulnerability, and on the 12th of December, 
Uh, they started apparently using this. Uh, they were talking about it then, but on the 12th of December, they were talking about it. And on uh, they started an initial attack vector and began scanning for vulnerable systems on the 13th. According to ADV Intel, Conti has then been doing a whole bunch of work with this since August uh, and on, on other things as well. But they had developed a secret backdoor demon, uh, which sounds pretty interesting, uh, which allows for persistent access to infected systems. They had a new backup removal tool so that they could clear off any kind of backups or shadow files on the system before they ransomware thing. And they apparently had a significant operation to reactivate and revive our old buddy Emotet. Uh, and, and Emotet has, of course, since then resurfaced. The full chain of events they're using, apparently, is after they, they use the Log4j exploit, uh, for Log4Shell, they drop Emotet. So they use this Log4J vulnerability to drop Emotet on you. Then they install Cobalt Strike. And then there's a whole, if you read the article, there's a whole list of all the steps that they take uh, when they're doing these exploits. So on the 15th of December, tracking by ADV Intel indicated that they were out there looking for vulnerable VMware networks. So this seems to be where they'd shifted to, and they were using those as an initial access point. So I guess a lot of those hadn't been patched maybe. Um, but anyway, so a couple of points here. Be sure that at this point you understand your, where your machines and which vulnerable machines you have that have Log4J on them. Because if you don't know that at this point, then you can't possibly know what you need to patch. So you really need to do an assessment now and find out where you're vulnerable. And we have, over the last uh, couple of weeks, provided various tools that can help you identify those machines. So uh, a lot of different stories that have those, like Huntress Labs has some stuff. There are, there are tools pro being provided by all sorts of other people, uh, including a lot of commercial products, to try and assess your vulnerable machine. And you need to patch them. I mean, so knowing they're there and then patching them is, is of course, you know, important. But if you can't patch them, you're going to have to secure them some other way. Um, personally, if you can and it doesn't have to be facing the public, put it on a private VLAN. You know, a management network is always a good idea, and that's where these things were designed to be run unless it's a public website, in which case, you know, you're going to have to patch the damn thing. Um, you can apparently stop most of these attacks with proper egress filtering. Uh, so if you actually look at the way Log4Shell works, it has to reach out to a command and control server. So once it executes, this string that's put in there has to go to a command and control server and download the actual malware. So if you don't let things reach out uh, from, from your web servers, you can probably prevent this from running even if you are vulnerable. Uh, and then make sure you haven't already been compromised. Uh, this thing may have been compromised. Conti group, like a lot of other ransomware groups and other people that have been exploiting this, may just want to be in your systems for a while. They don't necessarily immediately attack. And in fact, a lot of times they stay in there for months before they actually execute ransomware. So you may have been compromised if you have this on your, in your enterprise. Uh, groups like Conti, you know, just tend to sit there below the radar. So there are tools to help you figure out if you've been compromised as well. The third bug in Log4j that has been found is a denial of service. Uh, and this one has also been patched. So it was announced Apache patched it, uh, although they may have to change their name to Apache with a T if they're not careful. But the latest bug, that was bad. The latest bug is, is not really a variant of Log4Shell. It, it's really a different bug that sneaked in there during some of these patches. And it 
you know, and Log4Shell basically allowed remote code execution, but this one, not so much. So this particular CVE is 45,105, and the bug centers around context map lookups rather than the Java naming and directory, which is called JNDI um, lookups that were found in Log4Shell. So it's really a different vulnerability. The context map lookups allow applications, if you aren't familiar with this, to store data in the Log4J thread context map. So this is a kind of, uh, you know, they're just pushing stuff in and pulling stuff out. And then it retrieves these values in the log4j configuration. So it's just a way to store key values on the system. Uh, and that's pretty typical for some libraries. But this one apparently has inappropriate input validation and uncontrolled recursion. Band name called it. I mean, I like uncontrolled recursion. That sounds really cool. Uh, but basically what's going on, if, if you don't know, is the attacker can then build a lookup variable, which sounds like it probably is a variable that contains references to itself because it leads to uncontrolled recursion. And, well, you know, uncontrolled recursion is pretty much, you know, how you get denial of service. So the bug is in all of the versions of Log4j up through the 2.16 patched version, which was when they patched Log4Shell. CISA mandated immediate patching on this. Uh, Apache is recommending patching, obviously, but they do have some mitigations on their site. So if you're just like stuck and you say, we can't do another patching operation this week, you probably are going to want to read up on that and see how to mitigate this thing from being uh, exploited. Joker malware uh, is an oldie, and it was found in a, an app called Color Message on Google Play. Uh, one of the things about Joker that we've known for a long, long time was that Joker is really small. It's a really small footprint kind of thing, and that allows them, and they can change it around a little bit, and it lets them sneak this stuff past the, the editors or whatever you call the people that review these apps at Google Play and other places. And they, it, it's been around for a while. The app had been downloaded, Color Message, around a half a million times before they removed it from the store. Pradeo or Pradio Security warned that if you have color message installed on your device, you should delete it immediately, like immediately. So uh, Joker first came up in about 2017 was when they first started seeing it. And basically what it does is it's one of those old, really old-fashioned kind of things where they hide something in something else, so it's a Trojan. And they stash this in really popular-looking things like games and, and uh, utility tools and so forth, like this color message thing does overlays on your screen and all kinds of stuff, supposedly. And then once you install this app, it basically subscribes you to some premium services that start billing you. And so, you know, presumably that's the person who set up the app on the store. So they've got a server sitting somewhere. It subscribes you to these and starts charging you uh, various amounts. Uh, once that happens, you know, hopefully you don't notice for a long time and you pay them a lot of money. But if you do notice, then you have to try to figure out how to get rid of it. Uh, in this case, once it installs, the app actually exfiltrates your contact list and your device information. And then it hides the icon on the home screen. So you hopefully don't even remember you installed it. Uh, the color message app apparently is connecting back to Russian hosted servers, uh, but the app itself had 1,800 positive reviews and four stars on average. Not that there's ever been fake reviews made. I mean that you know don't expect that anytime soon. Robocalls more than doubled in 2021, according to T-Mobile. Uh, T-Mobile reported that they had blocked 21 billion with a B 
scam calls this year in their, just in, in their scam and robocall year-end report. So this was just T-Mobile. Um, you know, and it's just the ones that they blocked. It, it doesn't even begin to assess how many of these things may have actually been done. I think I had about a million of those that weren't blocked uh, to let me know that the warranty on my car is, is expired. And, and I got rid of the car three years ago, so it's not very effective. But, you know, uh, since, since uh, Elon sent me that Tesla X, I, you know, I don't have that other car anymore. Uh, but according to this report, and, and this part I didn't I totally understand, the co this cost $29.8 billion to consumers. And it wasn't clear if the $29.8 billion was actually like scammed money or it was some other kind of cost assessment like that you know they, they said each time the call is done it costs 10 cents or something i don't really know how they came up with that number but um you know i it's hard to tell about those kind of numbers in there but it's still a lot apparently about 51 percent of all these billions of calls were scam vehicle warranty offers <laughs> I really find it hard to believe that people go for that, but I guess they do. Uh, and right immediately behind that was fake social security office calls. And I did get one of those yesterday, and I heard it on my like regular old landline phone on the voicemail, and it was really funny because there was a whole message in Mandarin Chinese that was on, that was on the message before the message was repeated in English. And I was like, so wait. I guess it's really progressive of the Social Security Administration to provide Chinese as an optional language on their calls. You know, but anyway, as we all know, they do this because it's an infinite series and it's cheap. So I don't know what their average success rate is per call. So like if you get one success in 100,000 calls, your robo-dialer is working hard, but you just sit back and wait for those fat stacks of cash to roll in. I mean, I, I have no more robo on my, on my phone and that does seem to work pretty well. I mean, I don't get that many robocalls on my cell phone. I get some, but I don't get that many. But on the landline phone, which we actually don't even have the ringer turned on, but we just still have that old landline phone, um, you know, we get you know probably 10 calls a day that are robocalls, and almost all of them are for car warranty scams. Um, you know, and I, I mean, I don't know why we keep that landline, but we, we have it. Um, the FCC is pressuring telcos to up their game on this, and they've been more aggressive in going after telemarketing firms in the U.S. Who are, who are committing fraud. Of course, if they're not committing fraud, I guess there's not much they can do if they're actually legit. And I don't know if any of these are actually legit, you know, car warranty offers or they're all scams or what. But what you need to do is continue to educate your people about these things because obviously people are still falling for it. The United Kingdom National Crime Agency contributed 585 million password credential combinations to the I Have Been Pwned service. Uh, and if you aren't familiar with I Have Been Pwned, we've talked about it many times before. Uh, it's a service that basically lets you type in your email address, your phone number, whatever, and to see if that particular set of credentials has been leaked somewhere online. Um, the pa these passwords were gathered during investigations of cybercrime incidents. Uh, Troy Hunt, who founded the uh, I Have Been Pwned service, said that uh, 225 million of the passwords in the new data set were new passwords. Um, Have I Been Pwned went on to say that they had originally had 613 million passwords stored already in the live service, and there were millions that they had not processed yet, but there were, that with the addition of this 300 million or so new passwords was going to be a significant increase in their database. 
Um, they are up to about they uh, they increased by about thirty eight percent and now have eight hundred and forty seven million password combos in the service. Um, you know, have I been pwned is an interesting service to do. I, I, you probably have been compromised, so obviously, you know, make sure that you're using unique passwords on every site that you you use two factor authentication and that you don't reuse passwords, particularly on financial sites, because credential stuffing is still probably besides the old uh, you know car warranty scam, password stuffing is still just the most you know predominant kind of thing that's going on. The FBI released information about a zero-day vulnerability in the Zoho Manage Engine Desktop Central and stated that it has been under active exploitation since at least October. This CVE, which is 44515, has resulted in APT actors uh, compromising Desktop Central servers, dropping web shells on them, and replacing the actual Desktop Central uh, web interface with this web shell. And once they do that, they begin downloading additional tools and so forth. Zoho did patch this flaw in early December, and customers have been warned repeatedly that they should definitely patch up. Shodan reports currently that over 2,900 managed engine desktop incidences were currently exposed to this attack. So, you know, you know who you are out there. Uh, Zoho has a security tool that will allow you to detect if your server has been breached. And if it has been, they recommend a full password reset for pretty much every password that may have been used on their service. And they also recommended a full wipe on the server and restoration from safe backups. Ouch. Have a happy holiday if you get to do that. Uh, Zoho's had a pretty rough time for the last few years with their networks being sold on hacking forums back in two, uh, 2020. Uh, they had nation-state hackers targeting them in 2021 and a variety of other attacks. So if you are using these tools, you definitely need to patch up and you definitely need to test to see if you've already been compromised with this. Uh, since we're being all cheery today, one more. Uh, Microsoft released an alert with information about two Active Directory vulnerabilities that were fixed in the November Patch Tuesday release. CVE 42,287 and 42,278, kind of a strange number there, uh, the last two numbers reversed, but those are two vulnerabilities that can be chained together to impersonate domain controllers. And the article does go into how all that works and how all these uh, Kerberos tickets are exchanged and cause that kind of problem. Once they do that, if you can impersonate the domain controller and grab these tickets, you can grab the admin on an Active Directory server. Yikes. The proof of concept code has been available to the public on this for about a week, which of course immediately means plenty of people are using it to target attacks. And Microsoft is basically telling you to patch or you will be sorry. Uh, Microsoft does have a published guide uh, on this. So if you're using Active Directory, you should definitely patch, but you may still want to read up on this as well before you do such a thing. When he was bitten by a radioactive koala bear, he got an unstoppable desire for eucalyptus leaves that just wouldn't quit. And instead of a superpower, he basically got the unstoppable, well, we, we you know, um, <laughs> we, we, we call it eucalyptus revenge here at the show. Uh, but it's, you know, the outcome of a steady diet of eucalyptus leaves. But while there, he proved once and for all that, no, the toilet does not flush counterclockwise in Perth. Uh, and, of course, all these things add up to not being that welcome in Australia. But we still welcome him. So please welcome the cute and radioactive koala man, Jason Wood. Hey, Doug and everybody. Good to be with you. And there is a reason why we had a eucalyptus tree just over the fence from my house, I guess. Um <laughs> 
I was looking through today and I found this report released by Facebook or Meta, as they're now being called, uh, that talks about the results of an investigation, multi-month investigation they did into the spying that's occurring on their platform. Now, let everybody pause as they get over their shock that spying would be conducted uh, via platforms like Facebook. Um, in the end result of this report, they talk about, you know, they shut down 1,500 accounts that were linked to the surveillance of about 50,000 people in particular. Uh, they, they link this actually back to seven different um, organizations or groups or threat actors, however you want to call them, uh, that were participating in this. Six of them were actually commercial companies. Um, and one was just a, is they generically put as a Chinese law enforcement supplier. Um, you know, I'll be honest, my reaction to this was uh, kind of mixed um, because you know, I like to see Facebook doing this, right? They, they're recognizing, hey, we've got a problem. So they're engaging with it and trying to do something on it. At the same time, the whole concept of Facebook is just like a marketplace for doing this type of activity. Um, but still, it was an interesting report to read, and you know, just some things that I saw that I, I, I thought I'd bring up here. Um, it was one is just the 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 crux of the report basically is that companies or organizations that do surveillance are using the platform that is against Facebook's terms of service, and they're tar using it to target people that most of us listening to the show will would not prefer not to be targeted. Uh, so here's an example. This is a quote from the report. Uh, while these cyber mercenaries often claim that their services only target criminals and terrorists, our months-long investigation concluded that the targeting is in fact indiscriminate and includes journalists, dissidents, critics of authoritarian regime, regimes, families of opposition members, and human rights activists. Now, that's the end of the quote. I've got a few complaints here with this sentence, such as calling this indiscriminate, which means random or without any kind of thought, when it's like, no, this is targeted. What it is, though, is we're targeting people that that at least most of us here are, are probably not going to be very comfortable with. Um, you know, these are, but they're they're very much of interest to the the customers of these firms. You know, here in in. Western Europe, United States, Australia Pacific, things like that. Uh, you know, we're we're very much you know targeting human rights activists, targeting journalists, stuff like that is is not things that we're comfortable with. Uh, but in other countries, you know, frankly, they call them criminals, um, and and that's who some of their customers are, and, and that's why they're they're falling into this. Um, and you know, that's basically a, a clash here of ideals on and what how we evaluate this and facebook is just a, a mechanism of getting at these people you can you can reach out to them pretty easily um regardless of all of that you know facebook is has obviously recognizes the problem and they've gone in and done some cleanup and honestly you know one of the things i think is positive about this they've probably learned a whole lot about how to monitor for this ongoing and gotten better at, at detecting their techniques and their tactics tactics that they use um they've also gone out and warned the targeted users that you know basically hey you've been you know it looks like you might have been uh become a target of a sophisticated attacker uh they've recommended doing some cleanup on privacy settings which may or may not help i'm not entirely certain about that when somebody sends you a friend request and you click on it um 
They've also sent out cease and desist letters to the organizations, at least the six that they could narrow down to actual companies uh, that they could identify. And the report includes three pages of domain names used by at least one of the surveillance organizations. So they're sharing what they found out to the public, uh, at least at a very high level. They're identifying the companies that were involved in this um, and 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 basically letting us know what's going on um, and, and trying to get in their way a bit. So to me, these are all positive efforts you know, and results of this. Um, but in the end, I mean, it's still a valuable platform for this. These organizations are going to continue on. I mean, you ask any penetration tester, for example, do you use Facebook to help you in penetration tests and in social media? And the answer is going to be, well, yeah, uh, generally. Uh, I've certainly used it in my past to to do things like look at uh, – I've one example is I got pictures of a badge you know, at a, a company that we were doing some work for. And so I printed off one of those and that allowed me to get access to the building. And, you know, we had connections to individuals that work there and, and stuff like that. So, you know, this is just going to continue on. Um, it, the core situation is just, these are huge repositories of information and uh, the people who are in there are targets of, of different governments and private enterprises. Uh, and they can reach out and target somebody from, from, thousands of miles away. Uh, the six firms listed in this report are located in China, Israel, India, and North Macedonia. Uh, I looked at some of the customers. You know, They were talking about where customers were, and they, they were in places that you would expect, like in the Middle East or uh, China, coming out of Hong Kong. But I also saw New Zealand and the United States in there where they had customers listed. So, uh, you know, this obviously, this is not limited by... Uh, hardcore boundaries that we would like to define in our minds. Um, people all over the place are, are purchasing access to this. Um, will these organizations respond to the cease and desist letters and like, oh, our bad, we're going to back away? Uh, yeah, no. They're going to regroup. They're going to just continue on. Their tactics are going to uh, evolve because they've still got services to sell. And um, you know, a lot of these governments aren't going to make are they really going to care that Facebook complaining about them violating their terms of service? Probably not. Um, so, you know, in the end, we've got governments and organizations who are just, you know, they, they know where these people are or who these people are that are targeting them with criticism uh, or, or somehow impeding their agendas or whatnot. And so these, these organizations and governments have turned around and targeting them. Sites like Facebook, and especially Facebook, have massive amounts of information uh, about these people. And so it's obviously going to be something that's going to be used. Um, and the core problem is going to be remain. Now, Facebook made the comment, you know, in their report, they're acknowledging this is going to be ongoing. This is long term. Um, you know, this is just kind of a status report on where they're at right now. So hopefully we continue to see more of that occurring because, yeah, there's just a lot of um, yeah, a lot of misuse of these platforms. And I, I know of a lot of folks who have been, you know, have become victims of, of some of the, the scamming and, and various other targeting schemes that are going on. So I applaud Facebook here for doing this. Uh, but good luck with the long-term uh, long-term outlook because this is not a problem that's going to go away anytime soon. If you're interested in the report itself, you want to take a read on it. It's not very long, about 15 pages long. Uh, there's a link in the show notes to the Threat Post article, and there you can find a link that will take you directly to the PDF of the report on Facebook. Uh, so go check it out if you'd, if you'd like to find out a bit more. All right, thank you, Jason. Uh, that's that was a, an interesting story. I, I've I've been uh, 
that whole Pegasus thing has been very complicated. And I know that every, so one person's freedom fighter is another person's terrorist. So it's kind of like on the old South park episodes where if you wanted to shoot something, all you had to do was say it's coming right for us. And it was, it was okay then. So I think that's kind of where that stuff is. It's like, Oh yeah, that person's a criminal. Like, yeah. Okay. Whatever you say, but we'll sell you the product then. All right. Thank you. And finally, uh, it's been a weird year. Uh, maybe not quite as weird as the one before, but it has been a weird year. Um, you know, it, in this year, my knowledge of the Greek alphabet has paid off. Um, I moved across the great water to the other side of the bay. My friend Lou died and I inherited his 34 pound cat, which is at my house right now. And well, you know, it's, it's been kind of a weird year, but all that aside, I want to thank all of you who, who religiously watch this show and listen to all of our shows, which makes all this possible. Uh, I did want to thank Jason Woods for putting up with all my intros, Aaron Leyland for being the hottest guy in the UK and subbing when we need him. And I wanted to thank the crew here at Security Weekly, who actually, I feel like I'm at the Academy Awards and they're trying to play me off. Um, and uh, make I want to thank all the crew here. I want to thank my mom and dad. Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, thanks everybody for a great year. Uh, thanks Sam and John and Gus and Renee and everybody. I hope everybody has a happy holiday season. Stay safe. Avoid politics and family parties. Happy New Year. And I'll see you back here again in January of 2022. And I am out of here. Ha, ha, ha.